Hello and welcome. Hello. To the Cardboard Salon. This is Minia. I'm Wilma. And I'm Remy. And we're going to pick an article each week and talk about uh, our reactions to it and what questions it brings up about society. Yeah, and we welcome everyone listening to also pitch in your opinions. So, you know, if you have something to say, find our podcast on Anchor and leave a voice message. We're more than happy to take your thoughts and opinions and discuss them in future episodes. So Yeah, and even pitch some articles too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So currently we're going to kind of each week um, on a rotating basis, each person will put forth a pretty topical article. It doesn't have to be like from right now, but something that's worth discussing. Um, we'll all read it. We'll have some follow-up questions. So it's kind of like a book club, but with nice articles. With less commitment. Yes, and less reading. Almost all of us will read it. Almost all of us. There's only three of us, so almost. 66.66% of us will read it. Does does that math check out, Wilma? I think think so. According to my calculations, that is correct. Yes. Ah, Very good. So let's talk about our first article, which is from 2017 in The New Yorker called The Work You Do, The Person You Are. Written by Toni Morrison. I've never read, um, just a disclaimer, I've never read any of her books. We read Beloved in high school. It was very intense. It's a very intense book. It has a lot of, it's written very well in a very Mm -hmm. emotional way, but there's a lot of climatic, intense moments with intense imagery. and And I still remember it even though I read it in like freshman year of high school as part of part of English class. It feels like a very um, part of American high school curriculum. So Remy and I are both Canadian. We're both from Toronto. And Ooh, I think the American perspective. Yeah. Oh, what's funny is you're outnumbered. I know. You are outnumbered, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew they feel yeah. very small. <laughs> so this was Minya's real reason to include me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I knew the Canadian thing would come up. But yeah. anyways, we read things like the, um, what was the Khaled Hosseini book? With the kite, the kite runner. Oh, the kite runner. I, yeah. I think I read that on my own, but I also yeah. think I read it part of as part of AP pre AP World Geography. Pre AP, yeah, pre AP. I'm, I'm wondering if in French immersion we had a slightly different. Maybe you did. Maybe you read French books. And also, you were probably in the Toronto District School Board, and I, I was, was in the New York Region. Oh damn! So that's I a think key difference. New York Region is basically just. Did you say the New York Region? <laughs> it's just called York Region. Oh, okay. And it's basically just kind of like a collection of, I guess, more or less suburbs um, that are part of a school board. Um, just, just north of Toronto, but, yeah. you know, Toronto used to be called York. That was its original name. Yeah. Not and New York? Well, that was already taken. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting Not in New York. York V3. York, York 3.0. <laughs> okay. So this article is um, kind of a short one. I think it only is maybe about a five minute read. It's written from a narrative storytelling kind of view. It's definitely not uh, a traditional journalistic article in the sense of laying out the facts, laying out a thesis and taking us through that and then summarizing it at the end. It's more of uh, almost reads like fiction. Like, I don't know if this was fiction or not, but it reads like a, Mm -hmm. like almost like a book. That is a good point. Yeah. When I read it, I was like, this is nonfiction. This is biographical or autobiographical or whatever. Yeah. I guess it could have. Yeah. An interesting thing you said when you read it was, this is not what I was expecting. And I was curious why you said that. Yeah. So, wait, Wilma, how did you initially describe the article before I read it? I said it was something about, uh, it's, it was a very short article that where the, the main uh, thing you get out of it is at the end where it's, you are not defined by your job. Yeah. So that, so that conversation of not being defined by your job or by your career is something I feel like I've talked about with a lot of friends in the past. Um, just, just as like, you know, as people around our, our age range are kind of figuring out their careers, 
and still trying to find their path a little bit. I've had that conversation very much in like today's context, in today's world, in today's economy, in today's types of jobs, right? Um, but this, you know, took place in the 40s, this article. And so that really threw me on a bit of a loop where I just, you know, I was, ex I was expecting it at least to be modern day. It kind of, it was written in the modern day, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that it is a very interesting, uh, is that what surprised you about it? The fact that she was talking about a time in the 40s? Yeah, and it was, yeah. And even though the the takeaway was the fulfillment of your work and it and that kind of defining you and how important that is, it was just approached in a really different way than the in how I approach that conversation with my friends. How do you normally approach that with your friends? Yeah, good question. I think it's um, typically like, I was fortunate to kind of find a path really early that gave me a lot of fulfillment being in product design. Um, it just took one really bad job and I was like, wow, I need to do some soul searching. And then, you know, through a variety of different things, I found myself here doing this. Um, but I have a lot of friends who are still kind of trying to find the path. You know, do I go back to school? Um, what is that thing? And, and they still can't really find it. So just in conversations where people usually end up complaining about their jobs, um, which I guess did happen in the article towards the end. But um, yeah, it just really starts with complaint and then people kind of doing a little bit of brainstorming with me on like, well, what does make me happy? What would be a good job that I could do? And can I take the risk of quitting this crappy thing that I'm doing to go pursue that, you know? I kind of feel like that conflates. So I think the, the thesis of this article, like I think what you're saying is true. And what this article talks about is how your identity is not related to your job, which is something that I think maybe seems straightforward, but is not uh, internalized by many people. They define themselves according to their job. So mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is that you've heard a lot of people that uh, equate their job with a path to happiness. Like your job can really easily make you unhappy. Um, but if you sometimes I think if people think that if they just found the right job, they would be able to find happiness. Do either of you think that's true? I think society definitely like kind of sets that expectation. Um, and in, within like a certain, like I feel like within certain industries, definitely. I think in, we all work in tech, but maybe in finance, I feel like a lot of my friends have much more of a transactional relationship with the job, whereas mm. it's very grueling and they get paid a lot and they would only do it because they get paid so much. Um, whereas in the industry, I've only worked in tech and in this industry, I think people tend to um, derive a lot of their personal value from their job, but in a different way, not from the monetary aspect or the prestige aspect, but more from like what you're actually doing. It's yeah. definitely like a mission. Like I think tech is much more of a mission driven type of industry yeah. than anything. Values. Then like, yeah. And then, so you, you always try to choose I feel like in, in tech more so, you try to choose a company that aligns with your personal values where you really believe in, in the problem they're trying to solve for the world. And I definitely think in more business sectors, that is it, that relationship is not as, as strong. You're not yeah. thinking like, oh, I'm doing this because my core values align with what the mission is in a way. Yeah. And there's also, you know, what is that company's, um, what is that company trying to achieve? And that may be giving a little bit of meaning to people and, and drive and things like that. But I think also just for me, like the role of product designer, like the day to day, like I need to get fulfillment from that. And that was kind of the realization I had when I pursued this career path was like, it comes down to like fulfillment in my day to day work. And and the company and what they do has a little bit less for me. I mean, I want to be excited by it, of course. But um, I do think because the day to day tasks and what I get from that is kind of already working for me the company's um, 
what it's doing is a little bit less important. The company is almost like a cherry on top. I remember in my yeah. in my last so I'm I'm in product marketing. In my last job, I really liked product marketing, but the industry, which was food delivery, wasn't necessarily the most exciting. But I still felt like very lucky. I think um, choosing a company is really a privilege that very few people have, um, and choosing like your job as well is also a privilege. And I think. We should recognize that but like i was like pretty happy and content because i'm like hey I'm, at least i'm doing something that i like and like if it could be a company that's like you know related to sports or media which i'm really passionate about even better but like who can ask for so many things mm. <laughs> that's well really, said that's really fair but i, I kind of like want to bring it back to the article because the article seems to run a little bit counter to the conversation we just had which is that we want the job that fulfills us right does that kind of imply that a job fulfills us or conversely that a bad job can empty us because the thesis of this article is that you should not tie your identity maybe your self-worth to what your job is so what do you think is like the like how do we reconcile those two things well is is the article that trying to say that maybe you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do what tie your self-worth to your job yeah, I mean, like the one line. So she has this bulleted list at the end of the article that has like all these takeaways that she got from. So the article itself is kind of like a narrative on how she had her first job uh, and she uh, didn't like it at first. And she talked to her dad about it. And her dad says, uh, listen, you don't live there. You live here with your people. Go to work, get your money and come on home. And what that seems to say when I first read that was that your family, your relationships are more important than what your job is. After that, she goes into a couple of theses that are very like short and succinct, but there's four of them. And the last one says, you are not the work you do, you are the person you are. And we're talking a lot right now about how our job is a source of fulfillment for us. And I think maybe the implicit takeaway from that is that, does that mean we tie some of our self-worth, some of our, identi our identity, to what we do and it's inevitable that we do but is do we do that too much yeah. in general well what's funny is i think i missed those bullet points at the end there <laughs> that's pretty important <laughs> and I, yeah it's pretty important apparently that's why i was like let's go uh, over them so i'll read them out loud okay so that just for you our, our, well then so our listeners remy can be the voice of the listeners yeah. you know like are, are that you would aloof? be a good role. do not pay attention <laughs> remy will represent you so <laughs> Number one is whatever the work is, do it well, not for the boss, but for yourself. Two is you make the job, it doesn't make you. Three is your real life is with us, your family. And four is you are not the work you do, you are the person you are. And when I read those and like think about them, it makes me think, yes, a job is one part of your life, uh, but it's secondary in the grand scheme of what your life is, your first kind of being almost your family, your relationships, things like that. Yeah, that was my main takeaway as well, which is like, not necessarily that it's bad to um, feel attached or connected to your job. It's more that like, when it gets to a point where you're placing so much value on it that it's like obfuscating um, the importance of other things in your life or impacting that, that's what you need to be on the lookout for. And I think it's really easy to get into um, a frame of mind where your job becomes, using some corporate speak, P0, <laughs> and everything else is like P1, 
Um, um, for our <laughs> listeners, you know, definitely not me. Could you elaborate on P0 Sorry. and P1? It's like priority zero. So uh, it was like, I always found this classic. so interesting. And Wilma and I used to work at the same company as well. But P- priority one didn't really mean like it was a top priority. Priority zero meant something that actually really matters. And it's like above all else. It's like just like, you know, you would drop everything for that. Um, and... Like the, I, like the date you might have with your significant other for yeah. it to finish like a deliverable or like you don't say goodnight to your kid because you have to stay late at the office or something yeah. like that. And it's a deliberate choice. Yes. And everyone will come across moments in their life when they're forced to choose. And for some people, it's a very natural choice. For other people, you're kind of stuck in the middle. And those moments are really illuminating in mm. like what matters more. You might have to once you decide what is right for you, and I'm using air quotes, you might have to like overcome your intuition to choose maybe your family and like not join a late call in another time zone. But I think People that's- feel intense guilt about that though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a choice that um, forms over time dictated by like how your decisions add up. Totally. And yeah. I think a lot of, it kind of goes back to the you are what you like the actions you take define mm-hmm. the kind of person you are or how you exist in the world and i think what i'm trying to like unpack is that as a society do or especially at least in the micro society us three live in which is kind of like young career minded don't have much family ties right now in terms of having kids or anything like that do we tend to define our self-worth too much by our job I can I can start. <laughs> hard hitting, hard hitting, hard question. hitting, very hard very deep, very deep. Um, I think that I did so a lot more before, and maybe it's because like I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I feel content with my job now. I'm starting to prioritize other things above it. Like before, I would always want to work late and things like that, where I felt like I was striving, and now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm like comfortable, not complacent, but just like happy with where I am. So I don't feel like I need to like overcompensate to get to another place and like strive so much so I'll prioritize like leaving at a certain time every day to like go to yoga I'll always prioritize people over over work Um, do you ever feel guilty about that I don't feel guilty about it anymore because I feel like I'm comfortable with like the impact I make at work like I think I'm comfortable with knowing that like I'm confident in Mm. like the job that I do at work and I don't feel like if I leave one day at like six to go see a friend um, instead of working late that it's going to impact me in the long run you gain perspective it also comes with getting older i think yeah but i think that aspect of confidence and basically just being more confident in how much you're contributing and, and knowing that does make a pretty di- big difference i think for you know like my, my first main design job it was yeah i just felt i really had to put in extra hours and do more and like not even like to prove my prove myself to others but to prove myself to myself mm-hmm. really like showing that I have the ability and trying to get better and also like not that I, I think I'm where I want to be I think I can always improve um yeah I think just coming with that confidence and knowing that you can do things within like the regular hours of the day makes me feel like yeah I don't yeah. need it to take over my life because I can achieve the things I want to that's interesting because yeah I think that I I I'm starting to get there. It really is like a confidence thing. And maybe that comes with time and experience, but I still think I definitely feel a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like maybe, I don't want to even say from time to time because that means it, it makes it seem like I don't 
feel it most of the time and sometimes I'll feel it. But I think I carry that with me a little bit in terms of am I worthy enough for X? And I think that because of that, I think a lot about uh, like, does that mean I'm tying? Does that mean I'm not there with the self-confidence yet? And as a result of that, I start thinking of like I, I might feel guilty, like not responding to a you chat or a Slack message that comes at like 10 p.m. or something like that. So you chat, huh? Sorry, I should. <laughs> someone work at Uber or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was able to put together what that was. Um, you chat was like our internal, our, our attempt to build Slack internally. Don't give away secrets. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. It was it was not the greatest product. We ended up switching to Slack. <laughs> Maybe a couple of weeks after Minnie and I left the company. We're willing to be sponsored by Slack, just as a shout out. <laughs> shout out to Slack. Yeah. I want to get sponsored by UChat. What are you guys talking about? Oh, yeah. Or HipChat, the precursor oh, yeah, to UChat. Did anyone ever use HipChat? I've heard of it. Okay. I've heard of it. Um, what I, want, I wanted to say that, like, I think changing that mindset is pretty much trying to undo years of conditioning that starts from when you're in school, where your sense of self-worth is very attached to external cues so it starts with grades and then it, it like the prestige of the college you went to the prestige of the company your salary your job title the seniority there's so many external cues that people use to, as an indicator of their self-worth that's like really baked into society it's really hard to like move away from that mindset um so i think if people are thinking about it that way like it's really not their fault it's like we're conditioned to be that way and it's it's a huge overcorrection to start to move away from it did you and you guys both mentioned that it's kind of like you found confidence in yourself and trust in yourself as kind of the the key that helped you move away from, you know, pinning so much of your self-worth onto your career. Was it hard for you to give that up? Did it kind of come subtly? Did you have to make a conscious decision to to get to that point? I mean, I think it's still a progression. Like I still could be way more confident in my abilities and and in my day to day role. Um, definitely wasn't conscious though. It just came with time. Um. Minia, Minia has left because her gas company is calling her. So it's, it's very important for her. As some might say Minia has gas. <laughs> Yo, I think, too easy. Too why easy. is that a thing in New York? Like I've I've watched a few things about how gas is like the toughest thing to get and. The gas company never comes, and is it's like cable. It's just as bad. I had gas when I got, got into my apartment, but there's like okay. So the reason why I say this is because if you ever watch Netflix, there's this really random series called Seven Days Out, which is perfect for a person like me who loves to plan and loves logistics, where they take huge events and like huge things and talk about the seven days leading up to it, and they do a documentary about like how uh, like the space launch or the. Paris Fashion Week or something like that and what goes into actually making those events happen. And one that I watched was about 11 Madison Park, which is, for those who don't know, one of the best restaurants in the world. Uh, it has three Michelin stars. It's like... No big deal. No big deal. But it talks about the seven days leading up to that restaurant opening. Um, and the whole drama of the seven days was that gas, the gas company wouldn't come to turn on their stove. It was like, where's the gas company? Where's the gas? They said they would be here two days ago and they aren't like, we need to turn on the gas so the restaurant can run. I'm so. back and I feel that because yeah. <laughs> we moved in on January 31st and we've not had gas. It's, it's March 5th, by the oh. way. Oh my God. I haven't been able to even cook shin ramen, which is like my staple food. The entire month. Why is is that a thing in wow. New York? I just like didn't know that gas was so I, tough to get. Never had to do that before, but pretty much like you have to call them to schedule it, and it takes them like five days to actually come. I was also away for like two and a half weeks, so 
Damn. Only now are we getting around to it. Anyways. Are, are they coming? Is this a success call or is this a... They're three minutes away from the door. And they have to, you have to make sure you have access to the... They have access to your gas meter or they'll, or they'll charge you $40. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I have a gas-related story. Oh, tell us um, your gas-related story. I love story. gas stories. Now we're going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Let me... Oh, no. Actually, I guess it was an electricity story. It's not the same thing, right? No. It's no. not the same thing. We're going to shut down this story. I do conflate it in my head with utilities all those. I feel like yeah. electricity is always straightforward. You don't need yeah. like an electric guy to come no. and turn on electricity. I've Wait. never had that. I've no. had internet people, but actually I've had good experiences with New York internet people. I don't Same. know. Yeah, like they yeah. come the day you move in, which yeah. is great because living in an apartment without Wi-Fi would be pretty tough. Actually, it took, I think it took Verizon a couple of weeks to come for me for my internet. Maybe Dude, you but, didn't schedule it. Yeah, no. maybe it's your fault. <laughs> no, I did. I. You know what? I am very organized when it comes to the house things. I run the household with me and my roommate. Ooh, you run the household. No, I, I mean. Run me the household I, runner. I, I settle the appointments. I usually get, like, buy, like, the paper towel and toilet paper and all that stuff. Like, all the bills are under my name, et cetera, et cetera. You're, like, the opposite of me. Huh. I'm very, I, I think because I'm the youngest in the household, I'm, I'm you defer? kind of hands I defer, but I, like, I am, try to take charge with this gas thing. I want to be the gas lady. I mean, I've been calling you that for years. I only met you a month ago. People have been calling me that my whole life yeah, for good yeah. reason. Let's move on. Okay, should we get back on topic? Okay, so... Why don't we just call the podcast Gas Ladies? Yeah. I'm fine to be included in that. <laughs> Did you ever... Is there a podcast called Ladies Who Lunch? Have you guys heard of that? I've heard of it. It sounds familiar. Not. Okay, okay, never mind. Ladies Who Gas. Ladies Who Gas. That's pleasant. It's, it's, it's taking pleasant. everything pleasant. in me to not make a fart noise into this mic. Oh pleasant, pleasant imagery I have in my head right now. Okay, so back to where we were... Um, the topic was, uh, are we defined, is our self-worth defined by our job? The question I had for you two is, do you ever, even if it's just a reflex and you never voice it or you never like really action on it, do you ever judge someone by the job they have? Or judge others if they don't stay late or like if they, in your job, if they don't, if they don't like, I don't know, do the, do the thing, like do the perception thing, the optics thing? Um, I think I judge um i don't judge the latter because it's like lifestyle unless it's impacting me and i need to do your work for you um or like if you're not harming others you don't need to if you can get all your work done in eight hours a week good for you man that or woman <laughs> that's great yeah. but um in the first one i think the the judging part is not necessarily like based on prestige or things like that it's more like oh like you work in this field like that's interesting that says something about you and it's almost like a reflection of maybe certain personalities or, or interests rather than like you must be smart or you must be not smart you know yeah i i totally agree with um your first point like it's only if it really affected me on an individual level like i'm on a small team on a squad or something and one person is just not pulling their weight that's really all i pay attention to and then as far as like the company aspect of it and the prestige i'm not really thinking about the prestige too much i don't i don't i'd like to think i'm not judging people based off of that however if the company is like a, you know, Cambridge Analytica, <laughs> right? Or yeah, something something that you know puts ethics into question, like uh, Facebook. No, I, I actually wouldn't even say Facebook. Um, like something more extreme. Like I'm trying to think. Like I don't know. They sell bom like, like bombs. Like they, a like they a, they like tobacco companies, maybe. Sh sh maybe something like that. Yeah, Nestle. There's so many companies that are Nestle pretty... with their bottled water. It's a huge... They just take uh, water and sell it. And also the plastic creates a lot of waste. 
classic. Is that a, oh. it's, it's a huge thing. Well, I just yeah. mean, <laughs> people hate Nestle. Yeah. It's I think it's actually uh, I didn't know that though. Nestle it's actually house? I like the point you made, Minnie, about like it like you see their job and you think it reflects like it kind of is a reflection of maybe who they are, like certain personality traits they might have. And it's not that you think they will have those, but it kind of gives you insight about who that kind of person is. So mm-hmm. do you think like your job is is a extension, like a ref- maybe not an extension, but like just a reflection of who you personally are outside of your job? I think it's a, a big part of it. And, you know, it's like it's making me self-aware because I'm saying I will make inferences about people based on their job. And I'm sure people are doing the same about me. And part of that is because like, Yes, it's it's a part of ourselves. We spend so much of our time and our life doing our job that it's going to we we chose it for a reason and it shapes us just because of how much time we we spend doing it. Um I think that if I'm thinking very critically and honestly, I'm probably judging people based on it because we all take heuristics. Um and we're probably not even conscious of it. Like if someone works like at like McKinsey, you make inferences about like the school they went to, the, their socioeconomic background, upbringing, status, things like that. Not consciously, but like, you know, you have like an impression of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely it's it goes back to the fact that humans for whatever. Well, humans love to stereotype, right? Because mm-hmm. you just you don't know everyone off the bat. So and you want your brain so badly wants to form a like understand this person very quickly that you use those kinds of things like a job as one factor, the same thing with like race, gender, things like that, Mm -hmm. to understand the kind of person someone is very quickly. And that in combination with like what you were talking about with how you're grown up with a lot of external cues for success, I think that makes it really hard to not think that, to not think deeply into it if you're say like not successful at your job or to not derive Mm -hmm. some type of validation out of either what your job is or how well you're doing at your job. When do you think it starts to become unhealthy? I think it's when you start picking your job over your family on a consistent basis. And maybe that's too specific, but like maybe a job over your relationships. And Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people talk about that in hindsight with regret, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I was never there for my kid growing up. I missed so many games and things like that. It's so easy in the moment to just be like, I'm just going to work late, like it's just one game or something like that. But then those choices, like you said earlier, add up. And I think that's when it becomes, when you enter into the realm of like, you'll look back on it with regret. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for society in any way. It's more of you're doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah, for sure. You can't recreate those moments. Mm -hmm. And I think in in relationship, it's, it's really important that two people are on the same wavelength when it comes to where they prioritize work. I've seen a relationship where both people... They're P0 work people and they hardly see each other in the weekdays and they just maybe see each other in the weekends and they're okay with it because they're on the same wavelength. But if there's like a mismatch, then it like it tends to create issues. Mm-hmm. And there's aspect that aspect and also just like the mental health aspect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. For That's sure. Which I think a lot of people are affected by and they, they, they take stuff home and they can't help it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and mental health could even ultimately affect like physical health, too. That's so. a really good point, actually. It's really not just like point. picking your job over your family. It's also picking your job over like yourself in a way, um, like at the cost of your mental health. Yeah. It's also like thinking about work. Um, you know, you, you might not take your work home physically and that you're not doing work at home, but it. So it keeps some people up yeah, at yeah. night, and I can't relate to that. I've gotten oh, really good at. I can't relate to that. I really shut it off when I leave the office, and I just can't even think about it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's on occasion. You know, if there's yeah. something that's going wrong at work or something, yeah. it, it could it could affect me a, a bit, but. For the most part, I sleep like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what I can say. <laughs> Almost very jealous. <laughs> I am very jealous. I'm very bad at compartmentalizing that that stuff. And probably between us three, I feel like I am the least there in terms of really deriving, like trusting myself enough to be like, okay, I know I'm doing a good job. I know I'm a smart person and not trying to get that like external cue from exactly how my job is going at that moment, which can vary a lot depending on a lot of things that I even can't control. So I think that I need to be better and like think about that when when approaching like my job and what it means about me. One one thing that I thought of though while you were mentioning the confidence aspect was like even though I did say earlier and we're talking about like not having enough confidence and and having that can make you just feel more comfortable in your role in your career. In some cases I need to check myself and I I feel like I could be overconfident sometimes too. Mm. So it's weird. It's like on the full spectrum, I feel like I'm not totally confident in all of my abilities, but I guess it depends on the specific things. But also sometimes I'm like, no, I need to listen to people's opinions a little bit more. Like I might not be right here. Like don't just jump to a conclusion that something else is wrong because it's different than your opinion. I have totally the opposite mindset. I don't know if it's like a like an overconfidence thing. I'm never overconfident. I'm always underconfidence. Just interesting. Like It would, it would be a very specific maybe like design thing yeah. or something. On occasion. Wait, I want to talk about one more thing, actually, and then we should close it. Um, what do you think is like, we haven't really talked about this, which is like a really, it, it, it is like this situation almost taken to the extreme. What about people who are like fired or laid off from their job? Like, do you think that it's really hard at that point not to be like, what, like, am I smart enough? Am I good enough for any kind of job or something like that? Like, how do you tell that person that, like this kind of thing where their self-worth should not be defined by their job. I mean, we, we, I think both, all three of us have worked at companies that have experienced multiple rounds of layoffs. Um, and I, when I saw that happening, I was like, man, that would crush me. I think that would crush me too. And yeah. even if you know, it's like not based on performance, it would crush me also because I would get Remy deported. Interesting, oh, that too. But <laughs> Remy has an interesting take on this. I feel like it's not best day yeah. of my life. <laughs> I feel like okay, so you Remy, you can explain Remy's your situation. Red. Yeah, Remy can explain his situation. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a unique... also you know I did sign something that's saying I won't speak ill on my former company. Well, you can explain what actually happened, maybe. Well, like it... yeah, I'm. <laughs> which aspect? I mean, basically, <laughs> no. I mean, just to answer your question though, like. Uh, in that scenario, I worked at a very large company. The company was WeWork. They obviously had massive layoffs, like so widespread. And um, yeah, I feel I feel like I don't even want to comment on specifics, but like it was so widespread. Like it was so not personal. But you knew, like you just knew the layoffs were coming and it was almost like in a way that you didn't take it personally when it happened. But I feel like I've been, I've seen layoff rounds where it's like low performers will be the ones let go. And it's, Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. But even if it wasn't, like Minia said, like even if it wasn't obvious, like if it wasn't, like in your situation, you knew they were coming, you knew the whole company was in chaos. It's easy to divorce yourself from this means something on me. But I think I've seen layoffs multiple times where it's very hard not to be like, is this because I wasn't enough that I got laid off? And I think that that is really hard to, that's when you really are tested on like, is your self-worth tied to your job? Totally. And I think in a more typical environment that makes 
a lot of sense. I think, again, in this case, not only was were we within the company all aware that it was coming and you know the issues that the company was having, um, but the entire world was also aware of it, right? Yeah. So I, I knew nobody was going to have, even if I was going to another interview or whatever, I really never once across my mind, oh, somebody's really going to judge me for this. You know, they're going to think less of my skill set or whatever. And I don't think a lot of people who are in that situation have that luxury. Yeah, it was a very unique situation it's to be very in. very unique. It's very, like, edge casey almost. Mm -hmm. and it's often ambiguous. Like, at Uber, it was like you would have, you know, over half of a team laid off. But then if you're one of those people, you're like, hmm, but there are three people left on this team. Yeah, what is... Why am I not one of them? Yeah, exactly. Like, how can you not kind of... Yeah. It's naturally human to jump to that kind of comparison. Mm -hmm. And I think that right now, like we happen to be in a comfortable situation where we're in jobs that we like, that we vibe with, but I don't know if I could really get there, like get to there being, I know my self-worth is not defined by my job if I were to be like laid off or fired yeah. or something like that. We haven't experienced that, right? No. Well, Remy had the best day of his life, but, well, I mean, side story, like, uh, my first week of my first job out of college, my company laid off 13,000 people. Wow. So it was like, oh, this is this, what happened. This happens. Yeah. And I definitely have people, like, that are close to me that have gotten laid off before. My dad was laid off for a period of time. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm already in a bad, like, in a place now where, like, I'm still working on whether my self-worth should be tied to my job and I have a job. I feel like if I like didn't have that, I would it would be really tough for me to like be like, am I not good enough, essentially. But it's yeah. like it is helpful to think like the person you are defined by is the relationships you have and the actions you take. And that defines more of who you are than what you're actually doing. You know, you still have that even when you leave a job and that's like what external cue, basically a job is an external cue, right? Yeah. It, it's dependent on a bunch of things in life, a lot of things which have out of, are out of your control. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's easy to say that, harder to internalize it. But I guess like that's what it is. I think that was a very strong closing statement. Thank you. Should we end on that note? I, yeah. I think that we should because I think you just wrapped it up. You said what mattered. You know, there was a good... <laughs> Thank you. Just a good finish. It's like you've been podcasting for years. I have been in my sleep, <laughs> in my in the womb. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the, our first episode of The Cardboard Salon. I think we're going to work with that for now. Um, and tune in next time where we'll talk about a different article. Cue transition out music.